and welcome to this edition of TBU Backbooks for Beginners, episode 151. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. Today's Backbook is Death and the Maidens by writer Greg Rucka, with art by Klaus Jansen and colors by Steve Bucoletto. This covers the issues of Death and the Maidens numbers 1 through 9. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Batman, Death and the Maidens, was originally released as a monthly nine-issue limited series, and its first issue was covered dated back in October 2003. It should be noted that there was a short eight-page prologue to the story, which was in the back half of Detective Comics number 783, which was released the previous month. The individual issues were cover-priced at $2.95 back then, and they had slightly thicker hard cardstock covers versus the normal issues of the day, which were priced at $2.75. The story was subsequently collected in a trade paperback, and a hardcover volume also exists. For some Batman historical context, this series came out around the time that the story Broken City, which we covered in our last podcast, was running in the Batman title. The creative team for Death and the Maidens was writer Greg Rucka and artist Claus Jansen. Rucka is a San Francisco native. His early comic book work included the series for Oni Press called Whiteout. He won his first Eisner Award for its sequel, Whiteout Melt. The award would be a first of few for various works. For his work on Queen and Country, Batman, Detective Comics, The Adventures of Superman, Wolverine, Daredevil, the creation of the current incarnation of the Kate Kane Batwoman, and for his work on Wonder Woman Past and praise work on the present Rebirth Wonder Woman title, I think it's pretty safe to say that Rucka is a fan favorite. As for Claus Jansen, I first encountered his work when he was an anchor on Daredevil, starting in the 1970s, but noticing him more with his work when a young Frank Miller worked on the title in the 80s. He would go on to work with Frank Miller again in the 1980s, The Dark Knight Returns. The accomplished Jansen has numerous credits. He was born in Germany, and he has won awards for his inking work. Now, when Jerry goes into his synopsis for Death and the Maidens, he'll tell us this particular story. will introduce us to a character in the Batman lore, Nissa al Ghul, daughter of Ra's al Ghul, and half-sister of Talia. She would seemingly, I say seemingly because this is comic books, meet a fatal demise depicted in an issue of Robin, number 148. That was a part of the one-year-later storyline immediately after Infinite Crisis in 2006. She gets into a car which seemingly explodes and meets her demise. In other media, on television, the character has appeared on the CW series Arrow, and is played by Katrina Law. Whether she's part of DC's current rebirth remains to be seen. I'm not aware of any recent or current appearances. So, Jerry, ready to get into the plot? I sure am. Thanks, Chris. That was terrific. So let me uh, tell you what happens in the story. It bounces around in time a little bit, so kind of bear with me. Last year... In Russia, a military operative gives the news of the death of a Lieutenant Captain Arkhatov to a young lady. The Russian operative assumes that the deceased was her husband, but it turns out that he was her great-grandson. What? <laughs> After the operative leaves, the woman finds she can't cry. Her servant, Misha, attends to her, but there's nothing he can do, and she cuts her face where the tears would be. In the current day... Bruce remembers the night his parents were killed and is upset that he really can't remember his mother as a person. Two years ago, the woman from the first scene, named Nyssa, 
meets uh, Rossel Ghoul at a Paris cafe. They haven't seen each other in 60 years. They discuss Batman and how he knows of the Lazarus pit. Whenever Ross tries to find another location for a pit, Bruce destroys the location. Uh, Nessa is pleased that Ross is being killed by this tactic. He, she has something against him. Ross hits her and calls her his child, apparently his daughter. Ross has given her a Lazarus pit, but she is upset that he refused to help her 60 years ago. Ross tries to use the memory of her mother to get uh, Nyssa to help him, but she says that her mother would have said she acted for the greater good, and then she bites his ear. I don't think Ross liked that. <laughs> no. No. In the present day, Batman runs into an Ubu, one of Ross El Ghul's servants. The Ubu tells Batman that Ross is waiting for him in the Batcave. At the Batcave, an aging Ross tells Batman that he is dying. Ross wants Batman to stop killing him and let him build another Lazarus pit. Batman refuses, but Ross says that if he helps, he can give Batman back his parents. He gives Bats a vial containing a fluid that will allow him to walk and talk with the spirit of his parents and gives him some time to think it over. Eighteen months ago, Ross and the League of Assassins invade a town. He orders that Nyssa not be hurt. They find her at a Lazarus pit where Misa shoots and kills Ross's uh, servant. The other members of the League of Assassins are dead. Ross has to leave defeated without the pit. Three months ago, Talia Al Ghul leaves her office and goes to her swanky apartment. As she unlocks her door, Nissa opens hers up and introduces herself as Talia's new neighbor. They have dinner and discuss their lives, and strangely enough, their fathers sound very much alike. <laughs> Bruce and Alfred are discussing whether uh, Bruce should go on the parental walkabout that uh, with the vial Ross gave him, and Nissa pays Wayne Manor a visit and asks Alfred at the door to talk with Batman. While this is going on, someone sneaks into the Batcave unbeknownst to Bruce and the security system. Uh, Nissa tells a flustered Alfred that she is here to talk to Batman about Ra's al Ghul. When she gets to meet Bruce, she says that whatever Ross has told him to get the Lazarus Pit is a lie. She's worried that since Ross has visited Bruce, they might be working together. She says that they're on the same side and want to stop Ross from extending his life anymore and wants to be sure Bruce doesn't help him. In Tripoli in 1808, Nyssa is leaving Ross as his girlfriend and lover, and also being his daughter, you know, this is, uh, forget it, Bruce, this is Chinatown. <laughs> she, she can't handle all the killing that she and Ross have been doing. Ross says that it's for the greater good, but she doesn't think so anymore. She leaves to go back to Russia. Back to the present day, Alfred realizes that someone has broken into the Batcave and somehow got around the security system. Batman goes to see Ross El Ghul and tells him about Nyssa and the conversation that they had. Four days ago, Nyssa meets Talia at her apartment, and Misha, her servant, injects her with a sleeping needle. Talia wakes up over the Lazarus pit. Nyssa kills her and throws her into the pit. When she emerges alive... Nissa says that she has learned how to reuse the same pit over and over. She shoots Talia, who falls back into the pit. Flashback to the Sudan, 1784. 
Ross and his army attack a city so Ross can build another Lazarus pit. Nyssa is a great fighter. They take the city and they begin to build the pit. Nyssa goes to her horse to get the mercury they need, but is stabbed and killed. Ross uses the Lazarus pit to bring her back to life. In the current day, Bruce decides to take Ross's spirit journey to see his parents. He has a vision of their death in Crime Alley, and his mother comes to him. They talk, and Bruce takes her on a tour of Gotham to see what has changed. They see the sights of Gotham, and she tells Bruce that his father is angry with him. She brings Bruce to meet his father, who asks him what he has to say for himself, a very stern way. Now, flashback to Kiev in 1941. The Nazis take Nyssa and her family to a concentration camp. Back in the present day, Talia, sick of being killed and brought back to life over and over, tells Nyssa that she will do anything to make it stop. Nyssa says that they are sisters, explains the situation, and holds Talia and tells her that everything will be all right. Flash kind of sideways to a concentration camp outside Berlin in 1945. An emaciated Nyssa tells Ross, who is now apparently a Nazi officer, why why has he allowed her family, which is his family too, to be killed and her to be starved and tortured? tortured. He said it's for the greater good. Back in the spirit world, Bruce tells his father that he is a detective and presents himself as Batman to his parents. They are aghast. Meanwhile, in real main Wayne Manor, Alfred is monitoring the unconscious Bruce when Ross and an Ubu enter the Batcave. Alfred says that this is Ross's third uninvited entrance to the cave, and Ross says, no, 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 I've, I've only been come here twice uninvited. And Bruce should hurry up with his, with his decision, because he's dying fast. Uh, Nissa is on the phone with Misha and says Ross needs to be killed. And um, Misha takes some kryptonite from a cabin. And he burns the cabin down. Nissa tells Talia her story, that you know her backstory. Ross impregnated her mother in 1773, and when her mother died, she went out and searched for the Arabian prince her mother told her about. Nissa convinces Talia that Ross has to die. Uh, back in 1945, in, a, in the concentration camp, Nisa is strapped to a stretcher. A doctor gives her a shot, with, which will prevent her from giving birth again. In the spirit world, Bruce's parents tell them that they aren't ashamed of what he is doing as Batman, but what it takes from him. He could have been anything, including president, but is dressing up and fighting crime at night. He says that he does it in their memory, but his mother points out that he doesn't feel their loss anymore. They tell him to move on. And then they disappear. Bruce awakens from his spirit journey. In 1952, Nyssa is riding a London bus when she spots Ross going into a hotel. She dresses up as a maid and gets into his room where she tries to kill him. However, she can't pull the trigger. Back in the present day, Bruce has realized that someone has broken into the Batcave. Ross was telling the truth when he said he was only there twice. Someone else has broken in. Bruce realizes that something has been stolen and he knows what it is. Batman goes to Ross and tells him where there is a Lazarus, Lazarus pit in Saudi Arabia. Also, Nissa and Talia go to Saudi Arabia, coincidentally, to kill Ross when he goes there. Misha is in Metropolis with a kryptonite bullet ready to kill Superman. Batman comes and stops him because Misha won't waste the... He knows that 
Misha won't waste a single kryptonite bullet on bats. He's that that's for Superman only. It's a good thing because as he takes him uh you know, as he arrests him, uh it turns out that it's really Superman with a Batman costume on. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> so Batman is really on the bat plane, flying to Saudi Arabia to stop Nissa and Talia. He arrives in Ross's tent to find Nissa and Talia with a revitalized Ross and a whole bunch of ubus uh, in the tent. Talia goes to kill Ross, but he runs her through with a sword before she can. Batman takes Talia, his one-time lover, in his arms, and he runs out. Ross monologues with Nyssa for a while, and she finally stabs him in the heart. She kills Ross Al Ghul, her father. But before he dies, he whispers some final words to her. The Ubus now kneel in front of Nyssa and call her the new demon's head. Batman tries to save Talia, but the Ubus eject him from the tent, along with Ross's dead body. He cremates Ross. After he recovers from his injuries, Batman uses the location of the Lazarus Pit, to find Nissa's new lair. He beats up some ubus and finds her in front of a fireplace. He asks her, her why she's okay with her plan that killed both her sister and her father. After all, she was in the abolitionist movement. She was a patron of the arts. Why is she now a cold-blooded killer? She says that she is her father's daughter and what she does is for the greater good. Isn't that what Batman does for his parents? Bruce says no. His parents give him strength. But he isn't who they want him to be. He is who he chooses to be. It turns out that Talia isn't dead after all, though. Uh, she enters the room and points a gun at Batman. She declares Nyssa to be the demon's head and says she has earned her loyalty and love. Ross's final words to Nyssa as he was dying were to take care of her sister, which she apparently has. Batman leaves with their warning to steer clear of her in the future. Back at Wayne Manor, Bruce looks at his parents' graves and reflects that Nyssa has made the same mistakes as her father did, and she has already failed him, whereas Bruce is comfortable with the decisions he has made in his life. The end. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, applause, applause, applause. <laughs> so what did you think about this story, Chris? Well, first off, Jerry, let me let me tell you this. You did an excellent job with the story recap. I mean, there was a lot going on. We, we shifted timelines quite a bit here. And for me, as, as a reader, it was a little tough to follow uh, sequentially where we were with uh, the place in the story. As for the story itself, I think a good villain or a good character makes for a great story. And I think we have that here. Mm. Whenever I read a Ra's al Ghul story, I, I kind of uh, mentally check myself in, strap myself down and said, OK, we're, we should be in for a good story. I, I don't think I've been let down too many times where he's been a part of the story if not the focal part of the story yeah. i thought why haven't we had more stories with this great character's background and here we had uh, a character an excellent character in nissa who really is we see what she's gone through in her life and her stages and the losses she's suffered and, and having this 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 man as a father yeah. uh I, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, Rucka did an excellent job with uh, all the characters' voices, Batman, Alfred, Roz, Nyssa. Tell you, I was a little – I had a little bit of a problem with there because I, I really had a problem with – I think it was issue three where we, we seemingly have her – see a side of her that, that uh, 
allows her to have something resembling a social life and, and befriending Nyssa uh, seemingly casually before she she gets captured and turned on her. But this is a side of Talia I've never seen. I've always I'm always used to the cold, icy staring, uh, so locked into. Uh, Obeying her father's wishes, yet torn with with her affection towards Batman, mm-hmm. and that's that's the one note. I I, I really don't. I, I've never seen this side of her before, so it took me a little bit to warm up to that portion of it. I thought the artwork was good. Uh, I think, like you, I'm you might be about to say something in regards to Jansen. Overall, uh, the facial expressions were good. We 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 had uh, some. Excellent backgrounds, excellent scenery. The, the, the coloring was very, very good. It, I, I was very pleased with this story. Uh, he very he creates something when you, when I see a lot of radical stories, the good ones, I almost picture them on a grander scale. Like it, it, this, this would be a this would translate to perhaps a really, really good movie. And if so, who would I cast? You know, I really don't know anybody for Talia's per se, but you know. Uh, 80s, there was an actress named uh, Rachel Ward who was in Thornbirds, and she was also in a uh, movie called Against All Odds. And I thought, I thought, wow, if I, I almost saw some resemblance. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but I'd really like to ask Claus if he based Nissa on any particular woman that he may have uh, come across or, or seen on screen or who have been famous. Yeah, that would have been a good choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, off the top of my head and with my notes, that's that's all I have down. Did did you have some comments, Jerry? Sure. Well, on a purely visceral note i really enjoyed these books very much i mean i found it to be i just wanted to know what happened i just kept turning the pages i just really wanted to know how the story was going to unfold uh which is really kind of unusual because normally i have kind of my checkoff kind of list of things that i like in a comic oh it's it's a detective story it's a noir story it's a history story this is none of those things uh it was just a really good story and it was really well told there were a lot of surprises a lot of things kind of came out of nowhere but uh, and sometimes stories that have a lot of surprises are surprising because they ultimately don't make any sense uh this one did make pretty good logical sense uh uh, this plan was dramatic but it was also a pretty good plan the end was a little uh questionable i think there were a lot of things that could have happened um, but a lot of times in a weaker story, the drama comes at expense of logic, and that really didn't happen here. Uh, the 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 family stories, the Al Ghuls and the uh, the Waynes, right? Uh, there was a lot of uh, similarities and differences in how they operated. Uh, that you know, these were two stories that it wasn't just well, we have this one story to tell, and then we need a B plot, so let's send Bruce along, you know, in the spirit world to meet his parents. It wasn't like that at all. It was really, the themes were similar. How we, uh, as children of parents, how we deal with, with their hopes and their dreams for us, and how we then kind of live our own lives. And um, Jerry, I was going to jump in. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I really appreciate you saying that with regards, with respects to the Waynes. This isn't necessarily, as, as long-time Batman readers, we have seen... Oh, certain circumstances, be it in uh, the Superman-Batman title back in the day, I think in, in uh, Detective 500 uh, had an issue where we had these scenes where Bruce, for whatever circumstances, gets to visit them, 
quote, visit them in a, in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. And we see different writers' takes on, on uh, their parents' voices and, and how they reflect on Bruce's uh, career. Mm-hmm. Do, what did you think of Thomas and Martha's depiction and the voices here? Were they a little off-putting at first to you, or did you take it as it was? Uh, well, you know, my first thing, I, I thought that um, as as he was bringing his mom around, you know, Gotham, she was, you know, looking at the different stores, and, you know, it seemed like it was very easy, but, you know, the father, you know, having a little more stringent and strict um, you know, approach to, to his, his choices and what he had done. I think my fear was, you know, and I read, you know, when you read some Batman books, sometimes you get the feeling that Bruce is, is a nut job, right? He's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the exact, I, I kind of felt that that was the way it was going to go, but you know, that he was going to be crushed by his parents' disapproval, but he wasn't. He says, I under, you know, I understand that you don't want this for me, but I do it for me. I'm not doing it for you. You're my inspiration, but this is who I am. And I just thought that was terrific. I really like that. Really good point. Yeah. So, um, another thing I really liked about this was, and it wasn't actually in the story itself, but it was when, with Superman when he kind of was in the Batman suit. You, that's, oh yeah, that's got a Bruce, a Bruce Wayne plan written all over it, right? Oh yeah, that was really well executed. How that was pulled off there. And I would just to have loved to have been in the room when Bruce was like to Clark, "All right, I got an idea." <laughs> you know, you put yep. on my Batman suit, you know, uh, it just seems like that would have been a lot of fun. I did have a little bit of trouble with the, all the time shifts um, in this story. It, it quite it too. I thought that was hard to follow at points. Yeah, yeah. It took me, uh, that typically takes me out of a story and, and it made this one hard to uh, follow uh, and definitely hard to recap. Yeah, I was trying to mentally try to keep a timeline in the back of my mind with where the events fell into place. And it, I have to confess it was a little bit difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I tried to, you know, reread it, but I just, I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll stay with it and I think things will flesh out. Uh, artwork. What, what did you have well, thought, thought about the art? I thought a lot of it was pretty good. I mean, really good. The scene where uh, Nissa kills uh, Ross was really dramatic. The drawing and the color, there was it seemed like a lot of motion and like an explosion almost. And I also really liked the scene where uh, Bruce kind of revealed himself in the Batman costume to his parents. I felt that, you know, he was strong. He knew he was risking their, um, uh, their approval, but he was just presenting himself this is me. And I think that uh, the way it was drawn, the way it was displayed uh, really felt fed into his, um, you know, his, the script, you know, how he, he, uh, he didn't care if they approved or not uh, that he was who he was. Um, The concentration camp scenes, I thought that they were pretty interesting. They had all the snow and the bleak look, and I thought that was uh, pretty effective. And Gotham looked beautiful as Bruce was showing uh, his mother around. Wasn't that nice for a change? <laughs> it really was. I thought it, it looked like a nice place. And uh, yeah. and her with, oh, I remember when this was here and that was there. It really felt like you were getting a real place. Uh, 
The colors overall were a little muted. I like things a little more colorful. But there were a lot of scenes, and a lot of the Lazarus Pit scenes, really with that, the yellows and the oranges, really popped. Um, yes. Two problems I had with the art. Uh, uh, Ross El Ghul, he wasn't drawn consistently. He ages in this, so that some of it is uh, relative to that. But sometimes I had to really look closely. It's like, oh, yeah, I see the whiskers. Okay, that's Ross. And yeah, I have to concur with you there because there were some side panels where it, it almost looked like uh, abstract sketch or abstract painting. He's yeah. got like this sideways glance and uh, whiskers, and we're kind of looking up at him when he's in a seated position. It was it was yeah. it was a little weird uh, to look at, and yeah, but I, I noticed that myself. Yeah, and and the other thing was uh, there was some really impossible anatomy, particularly on the women. Uh, at the beginning, Nissa was shown as having this teeny tiny wasp waist with a big upper back and a big, you know, bottom area. And then the the worst one was um, at the end when Talia reveals that she isn't dead. She comes out and and she just doesn't look human. I mean, uh, you know, I know they like you know making these women you know with the skinny waists and the you know large other parts, but this just looked like a robot was that wasn't screwed together right um so i i thought that was a little odd but overall i like the uh the art was generally uh good good so um so what did you think rating wise chris what, what would you give this well i tell you you know it's it's weird i think this is a solid batman story uh i think it, it, it nailed a lot of things right we had great character great voices and it had been so long since we've we've dealt to, to any somewhat of a history of uh, Ra's al Ghul's past and where he was during uh, this particular decade or that particular decade. And for once, we got to see that here. I, I'm, I don't think we ever uh, had this explored in comics prior. Uh, I will say it's it's very weird if you're reading uh, Spider Man currently. It, uh, they've got a bit where. Uh, in the current, uh, there's this storyline called the Clone Conspiracy, and we've got uh, Peter Parker is now offered a chance to be reunited with Uncle Ben. You know, a, a long dead character from who is the you know for what passed as Batman's dead, and you know it's it's funny how um, uh, some of these plots and comic books uh, creep up every now and then. So I, I like the way this was executed, though. Uh, I think it's it certainly stands in the ranks of a required reading story for any uh, beginning Batman fan. How would I rate it? Oh, gosh. If we were going to go out of a five, this is a very, very solid story. Um, not the best story, and I am a very strict grader, but uh, I think it is a very solid read. I, I would have to give this a four out of a five. Yeah. And that's what I would give it as well, four out of five. It's the story, it's a solid story. It's well told. The art is very good. Uh, I, I think uh, those the Ross El Ghul stories are generally pretty darn good. Uh, this isn't a game changer. Like, it's not, you know, it doesn't make us rethink uh, the, the legacy. But I did like the information it gave us uh, behind Bruce's psychology with his parents. So I would give this a very strong recommendation, a, a really must-read, like you say, for a Batman fan. Did your opinions uh, change in regards to your like slash dislike of Talia in any way, or did you just leave it as was? And second part of my question to you, Jerry, is um, what did you think of the Nyssa character? You know, it's funny. I almost felt like 
they re- they clone Talia. I, Nissa seemed to be like the Talia character a little bit, you know, and uh, she was she was weak here. I thought, um, but I agree. Yeah, and, and I'm not exactly sure why they did this. Why they you know, added the sister and created that kind of drama um, when they really weren't going to use Talia as a strong character. Um, I'm not sure what the logic behind that was. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, your, I agree with your comments about uh, uh, being a little taken aback by Talia's treatment here. And as as for Nissa, was this somebody you you would have liked to have seen continue as as something of a uh, uh, yeah uh, person with Batman that would confront down and down the line, or was that uh, was she suited for her mantle here? Or I, I thought I think I would like to, I would have liked to see her again, but I'm kind of you know we have Talia. Yes. And and I'm not sh- I you know Talia seems fine and having them both in the in the universe I'm not sure how much is really added. What do you think? I mean, what do you think the differences between the two characters is? Well, yeah, it seems you know that uh, we we we've not we I think in this story we've we've had more background given to Nissa than we've ever had Talia, who's been around for a couple decades more, uh, which maybe uh, kind of shortchanged Talia a little bit. And uh, knowing what we know now, I mean, could, could Roz continually go on forever? I suppose an, an end was inevitable, but um, it would have been nice to perhaps seen a female character who's in appearance-wise somewhat younger in years. Uh-huh. But I guess uh, for whatever reason, uh didn't didn't quite gel. Not not uh, not found as a foil. Um, I think we're always going to want the the bitter, dry witted, sarcastic Roz that we know, and then we get him back. So yeah. Um, I, I, for the for the story's sake, I think she was good here. But continuing, well, I, I guess well, she didn't last. And if there's any fate to have in DC's <laughs> rebirth, it's yet to be seen. So maybe there is a reason we haven't seen this return. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, good point. Good point, Chris. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Chris. And uh, that's all for today. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please leave us comments so we know what you liked and what we can do better. Join us next time when we'll be covering City of Crime. We hope you join us then. So I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. Saying goodbye for now, and thank you for tuning in to TBU's Bat Books for Beginners. (laughs) 